Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It is my honor and privilege this morning to share the word with you, which I'm very happy and excited to do. We can start with John chapter 1. We're not going through the whole book. Just, we're just starting there. That's all. John chapter 1, verse 1. Now, you think, well, this is a very familiar verse. And, you know, there are going to be some of the things that I'm going to, verses I'm going to bring up this morning and things that I might say that may sound very familiar to you. And, you know, it's kind of like food. The word is kind of like, in fact, the Bible calls it food, but it's like food. And, you know, you may have had a very good dinner last night. And I had a very good dinner last night, that's why I'm bringing it up. You might have a very good... Oh, there's the food reference during the sermon. There it is. Sorry. Yeah, it just happens. And uh, you may have had a very good dinner last night, but you know what? I challenge you, this evening, when dinner comes around again, don't make anything. Just remember how good dinner was last night. And see if that satisfies your hunger tonight. Yeah, right? So there may be some familiar verses that you've heard, some familiar things that will be said, but we need to eat again, right? Okay, John chapter 1, from the Amplified, classic, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen? Amen? Good verse, we like this verse. Skip down to verse 14 for a minute. And the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. And we saw His glory, such glory as an only begotten Son receives from His Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. So what are these verses, what are are, are they talking about? Come on, I know there's some Bible school students in here. What do these verses talk about? Okay, gee, I hear it very quietly from the front row. <laughs> Jesus, who's the word? Who's the word? Jesus. Jesus is the word. Why do we call him that? Oh, it's a little bit more of a difficult question now. Oh, not too many answers coming on. Okay. Because God said. Well, there's an obvious one because God said he is the word. Okay. <laughs> So there's a, there's a lot that can be said about that, right? He is this living word. Okay? And the Bible says in verse 14 that the word became flesh. So what was the word before that? Okay? God is a spirit, right? The word was with God. The word is God. And God took on or became, took upon himself flesh. This is a miraculous thing. If you know anything about other religions and how they are, typically speaking, it's always man reaching out towards God or gods or whatever they believe to be God in some form or fashion. This is different. 
This is God coming down and becoming like us. Most other religions try to, or even, not even just religions, just man's thinking, is man tries to become like God. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to become, I'm going to be him. And men envision themselves, usually when their heads are very, very large, puffed up, to be God themselves. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Put up an image. It wasn't an image of a God, it was an image of himself. To be worshipped by everyone as God. Right? Not so good. That's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Not a good thing. So, you know, people have attempted to reach God for a very long period of time. And here we see God coming down and dwelling among men, taking on flesh. So it says he tabernacled amongst us. I like that word, tabernacled. If you look in the Amplified, it says here, it says, fixed his tent of flesh or lived a while among us. Right? So he decided to dwell in a physical body. So the Word decided to dwell in a physical body. That's what this verse is talking about, right? And the disciples are saying, we saw his glory. We, we saw it. And if you read the, you know, we're not going to take the time to go through all of this. They're basically saying, we had, in First John as well, we handled the, this life. You know, we saw him, we handled him, we are eyewitnesses. We were there when it happened. We were there, we saw him, and we saw his glory. Hallelujah. The glory of the Son of God. Praise the Lord. So I just want to talk a little bit, well, it would be more than a little bit, actually. should be accurate. <laughs> yeah, okay. This word that's translated word. All right, so you know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. It was written in Greek. And it was written in the common Greek language that was used throughout the Roman Empire at the time. There is a word they used for the word word. So when we say the word was God and was with God, so that word for word is what word? What's the Greek word? Who knows? Anybody know? Come on, Bible students. It's not rhema, actually. It's, yeah, logo, logo, logos. L-O-G-O-S, Logos. And when you look up that word, it's a Greek word. When you look that up as to what it means, it literally means a word. <laughs> it means a word. But it means something very specific. It means a thought that is communicated. Right? A thought that is communicated. So the thought that was communicated was with God. And, in fact, was with God in the beginning. And, in fact, is God. The thought that was communicated. This word. Now, have you had conversations with people where... I'm, I'm glad someone's prompt to say yes, that they've had conversations with people. That's delightful. Thank you. Have you had conversations with people where you're telling them something... And they are not getting it. Anybody? <laughs> yes, that's right. Or they're nodding, yes. And you know they, they're not. Right, exactly. They're not getting it. But you see, are you using words to communicate? 
Are they words that the other person understands? Like they use the word, you know, you're talking about this dog did this thing, right? And so they they know what the word dog means, a dog, okay. You know, if you went to the store, you know what a store is. So you're using English words or whatever language you're speaking in. To this person, they understand those particular words, right? But they don't know what you're saying. They don't understand what you're getting at. With the meaning the meaning you're trying to convey. That meaning you're trying to convey, that's logos. They don't get the, they don't catch your drift. Have you heard that statement before? You catch my drift? You've said something, you catch my drift. Do you, do you pick up the meaning of what it is that I'm telling you? That's logos. So the logos was with God in the beginning, and in fact, is God. So what kind of logos are we talking about? We're talking about God's thought, his meaning, his communication. And that thought, that meaning, that what he's trying to communicate took on flesh and dwelled among us. Now, there's a lot to be said here, and I'll try to keep it somewhat short. But God's, have you ever thought, what is God thinking? I wonder what God's thinking. I remember, it's funny, it reminds me of something uh, my mother had commented. I'm sure others have said it, and in fact, I've heard others say it, things like this, where she was learning to have more of a free relationship, like a real relationship with God. Talking to him like he's a person, not just an object way out there somewhere. And so she wake up in the morning and say, Lord, God, how are you? And she heard in her heart one morning, the same. <laughs> That's okay. Why? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same. Right? Hallelujah. But have you ever wondered, what is God thinking? And people ask questions like that. Lord, look at this world. What were you thinking? <laughs> right? Exactly. That's why he sent Jesus. Because we see, look around us and go, wow. You know, but unbelievers think things like that. If there's a God, what was he thinking making this world like this? You've heard people say things like, um, if God is in control... Well, he sure doesn't know what he's doing, because look at our world around us. Now, that it's an ignorant statement, and I don't mean that as a derogatory statement. It just means we don't know. We say things like that because we don't know. Right? And I'm hoping all of us here know. Right? We know why the world's a mess. You know why it's a mess? Because man decided to take it and run with it his own way, and ignore God and do, I'm going to do this my way. And now it's a mess. So, right. And it's a, yeah, a bad song. So, but people wonder, what, what was, what's thinking? So if you ever wonder, what is God thinking? We have an answer for that. That answer is Jesus. Because whatever God is thinking... We can look to the life of Jesus and know exactly what God's thought is that he's trying to communicate to us. 
You know, I've heard this said, and I think it's a great little phrase, because Christians often, we discover things in the Bible, and we come up with doctrines from the Bible, and we, you know, that help us, and, well, supposedly help us. And we come up with these things because people like, in a world that's chaotic, we like rules. We do. We, everything's got to be just this way so that I, I know where everything is. I can understand that. I mean, just as an individual, if I find myself in a very brand new situation, like usually for me it's social environments, <laughs> a brand new social environment, I don't know what's going on, who's who, what's the proper way to act in this group, how do I fit in here? What are we talking about? I like rules. So I already know. And then, you know, it takes a good 15, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour. Have you ever had a group of people together in a room that usually don't hang out together? What the first, usually if it's like 30 minutes to an hour, is somewhat awkward. People are trying to figure out what do I say, what's okay, and then after about 30 minutes to 60 minutes or so, the people are having free conversation and talking, right? It's people like rules. But if you set out, okay, this is why we're meeting together, this is this and this is that, usually that goes a little bit smoother. So people like rules. And people like doctrines when it comes to relating to God because then they know how to act towards Him and what to expect from Him. And so these rules, okay, if I do this, then God will do that. And now I know where everything is. So people come up with rules. Hallelujah. But how many people know he's, he's not limited to our rules? He's not. So the, the, the Jewish people, their whole thing on how to relate to God was based on rules. Right? And there were rules given by God, were they not? But then they thought these rules aren't quite enough, so we're going to make up some of our own to add to them because they loved rules so much. Yeah, they made up a whole bunch of more rules. And so they made so many rules that the Bible says, and rules and traditions, that Jesus said, your rules and traditions have made the word of God of no effect. It's become powerless in your lives because you've made so many rules. And in fact, the rules that were made were ones that were like, hey, you know what? We don't actually have to do that because if we do all these other things, that's even better. I can even, even better. You know, the Sabbath didn't say anything about not healing on the Sabbath. That's not in the Old Testament. But you see, they took the thing about not working on the Sabbath and the way that they understood God's thought about that, the way that they understood the rule was, well, I can't do anything. I can't do that. The littlest thing over there is work. I can't do the work. And, and so it became problematic. They took that and just ran with it their own way. And so when Jesus shows up, who is God's expressed thought to people, he shows up and he heals someone on the Sabbath and they get all bent out of shape. They get so upset at him because that's working on the Sabbath. Have we done that at any point in time, you think? I don't know. 
So I've, I've heard it said, I think this is a great little saying, that if you want perfect theology, Jesus is perfect theology. Amen. It's him. That makes it super easy for everybody. Jesus is perfect theology. What does that mean? If I want to know what God's thinking or what he expects, or if I want to know the right way to do something or what God's going to do, I look at Jesus. If I want to know what's right versus wrong or how to do this, how to do that, I look at Jesus because he himself is perfect theology. He is the expression of the thought of God. So let's go to in Hebrews chapter 1 because I think you need to see it from your own Bible. You know, because if you just listen to what I say, you know, when you come up against a problem and said, well, Jason said, that's not going to help you. Amen. You know that, right? Good. But if you go, oh, this is what the Bible says, then you shall have good success. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3. Again, from the Amplified Classic Version, it says, in many separate revelations... And in different ways, God spoke, spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. So we understand what that means, right? In the Old Testament, you see God speaking to his people, speaking to the forefathers, speaking through the prophets. You'll hear a statement in the the prophets that says something like, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... And God said, right? Okay, so that's how he spoke to people in the Old Testament particularly. What's God saying? Well, let's go see what the prophet has to say, and then we'll find out what God is saying. What's God thinking? Well, we don't know what he's thinking, so let's go and find out from the prophet what the will of the Lord is. Lord, what should we do? And we ask the prophet, and the word of the Lord comes unto him saying, and now we know what God's thought is. We know what his intentions are. We know what his will is. We know what his mindset is through his word. Okay, verse 2. But in the last of these days, he has spoken to us in the Son. So there's a difference. In the last days, we could put up uh, the... New King James or King James, if you have it there, John. He's spoken to us in, through, and by the Son. So there's, there's something different here, something greater here. We understand that Jesus is greater than, than the law was, right? He's, he's why? It's, he fulfilled it. He's bigger than, better than. The book of Hebrews is all about how Jesus and the new covenant that he brought for us is better than the old. Now, the old was good at that time. So this tells you something about our God. He's always trying to outdo himself. And since he lives forever, and since he's infinite, there's no shortage in his creativity. Yeah. But he he brought us something better. And that better is Jesus. He is better. And so he says here, he has spoken to us in his son. Is this the King James? Here we go. 
hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he had made the worlds. Next one, next verse. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Okay, so let's look at the Amplified for this. If you can switch back there, John. I'm just going to read this from the Amplified now. Verse 3. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Who is that? Who's that? Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God. You could say the best of God. The best of. Everything worthy to be praised. Man, that's... You know, when in the Old Testament, when they saw, the prophets particularly saw the glory of God, it shook them up. You know, there are angels that the only thing that they say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, because His awesomeness, His greatness, His magnificence is beyond our comprehension. His glory. And Jesus is the sole expression of that glory. Let's read the next little thought here. It says, And he is the perfect imprint and very image, this says, of God's nature. Of God's nature. So the Son is the sole expression of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, you will know by seeing that in Jesus. This is why Jesus made the statement, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because the Father is spirit. He's invisible to us, right? No one here sees the Father, right? Is that correct? That's Bible. What is God like? What is he thinking? What is he doing? How is he? What's... Nobody knows because he's spirit, invisible. And then here's Jesus, who was there from the beginning, the very thought of God, and takes on flesh, and now, poof, there it is. We can see him. Now we can see what God is like, because Jesus is the sole expression of him, the, the, the imprint, the expression of his glory. Look at this word. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. I looked that word up, and I was very surprised at what that word is. The word being, well, I think in, in another translation it says exact representation of. I think that is in the, can you switch back, sorry there, John, to the King James or New King James? Verse 3. Express image, upholding, yeah, express image. And another translation says exact representation of. Okay, so when you look that up, and here, this is an odd way of saying it, the perfect imprint and very image of. So the word that is used there means engraving. An engraving. So you know when you take something, in fact, you and I were just watching this last night. There's an artist, and they were, uh, people were painting pictures of this artist, of a, of a, a person, so all these artists were painting portraits of a, of a person sitting there in a chair. And this one person decided to do an engraving. And I don't recall the process. But the idea was to 
form and fashion a material, engraving the material so that it is a representation of the live person over there. So they're making this engraving. So this word here, when it says perfect imprint or exact representation, it means that Jesus is like the engraving, made, formed, and fashioned, just the way, and to display who God is. Everything that he is, is found in Jesus. He is that engraving. Now, the Greek word for that, you will find to be very interesting, because the Greek word is character. The Greek word is literally character. That's where we get our understanding of character or someone's nature, their character. Distinct characteristics that identify somebody. And this is Jesus to us. The expression of God's distinct characteristics that identify him as God. That's Jesus to us. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? Praise the Lord. Now, like I had mentioned, if you want to know what God is thinking, what his will is, what's important to him, what matters to him, we can see the exact representation in the flesh in who Jesus is. Isn't that awesome? But wait, there's more. First Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, while you're going there, actually, we'll read the verse and then I'll talk about it. So, we're going to read verses 9 and 10 and then also verse 16. But let's read verses 9 and 10 first. From the Amplified Classic. But, on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, so he's saying the things, the things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, has not entered into the heart of man. So it's very interesting Because sometimes in Christian circles, you'll hear, well, God's very mysterious. You never know what God's going to do. Right? Well, we just don't know what the will of the Lord is. We're just not sure. People say it. And somehow that's meant to be sort of a comfort. I don't know how, but apparently it is. Things go bad, things go wrong, and people go, well, you never know. Just God move, he move, the Spirit moves in mysterious ways. All sorts of things like that. And I understand there's, basically it's saying, I have no explanation for what just happened. I really don't know anything about it. So I'm just saying, well, God knows and I, I don't. That's essentially what that means. Again, I don't know why that's a comfort to people. But I guess the assumption is, well, since he knows, we'll let him figure it all out. And que sera, sera, what will be, will be. Right? This verse is saying that God has prepared something for, and it's eye hasn't seen it, ear hasn't heard it, it hasn't entered into the heart of man. 
In other words, you didn't come up with it yourself on your own. But God's prepared something for those who love him. Hallelujah. And verse 10 says this. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them what the thing, what was the them, what he has prepared for us. He has revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God. And those things are are talking about, well, we'll go to verse 11 here. For what person perceives, or knows or understands, what passes through a man's thoughts, except the man's own spirit within him? Just so, no one discerns or comes to know and comprehend the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So who knows the thoughts of God, according to this verse? The Holy Spirit does. So it hasn't entered your mind. You didn't come up with it yourself. You didn't think about this. You couldn't figure out who God was. Man has some funny ideas. Man separated from God had some funny ideas about who he is and what he did, right? He didn't know what God had. He doesn't know what the Man didn't know what the plan was. Man didn't know what God was thinking, what he was going to do, what his will is. But here it says, yet God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. See, because the Spirit knows what's going on inside. Think of your own self for a minute. Think of conversations you've had with people. Think about the conversation going on in your head not just the one coming out of your lips when you're talking to people. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you say everything that comes through your mind when you talk to people? No, you don't. Why is that, by the way? Self-control, because you know, if you just say anything, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Some things you do, and that's why you don't say everything that comes to your head. But the thing is that you know that. The Spirit knows. You know those thoughts. But the other people, you're s- sometimes you just smile and... Right? Not saying anything. Because you know, but nobody else knows what you're thinking. Right? They only know what's being communicated. They only know what the, the logos is that you've set out of your mouth. That's the only thing that they know. Right? They don't know anything else. They only know what you say. You know, it's funny because after a while, the husband and wife, there's this thing that happens when my wife doesn't have to say because I know. I know what she's thinking. Sometimes good, sometimes ooh. (laughs) And why is that? Because I've spent enough time with her to get to know how she thinks. Uh, It's happened so many times now (laughs) that I finally went, oh, that is this is that. (laughs) This is that thing over there. Yeah, I get it now. Right? 
And she doesn't have to say. Hmm. How much time are we spending in God's presence to where we just know what he's thinking? Right? Sometimes we're looking for the word. Wait for prophet so-and-so to come through town so we can get the word and get some direction in our life, which is wrong, by the way. We're always looking for the word. What's the direction? Lord, where am I to go? Maybe if we spent more time in his presence, we would know his thoughts, where he wants us to go. And we wouldn't know because someone is telling us. We'd know because we know his thoughts. His thoughts are in us. Why? Because of verse 12. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world. That's a good thing to stand on. When the world's a certain way and acting this and acting that, you can go, I don't have that. Right? And you can say, but the spirit who is from God is given to us that, why? Why? That we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts bestowed on us by God. Everything that he has prepared for us. He's revealing that to us by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's doing. Revealing it to us. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay. Then skip down to verse 16. For who has known or understood the mind of the Lord so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? Oh, Lord, you didn't know about that one? Here, let me help you out with that. Nobody. Nobody said that. Okay. But we have, what is this? The mind of Christ. Does, does, does it say we have? Yes, it does. We have. I that. The mind of Christ. What is that? The word became flesh and dwelled among men. That divine thought. Everything that God has been looking to communicate towards man. Everything that is of his character and his nature that represents who he is. Everything that says this is God and all those other things are not. All of that, everything that he has prepared for us, everything that he has accomplished on our behalf, all of that is the mind of Christ, that living word. And because we have the Holy Spirit who knows all of God's thoughts and has been given to us, we also get to know his thoughts. His thoughts and his ways should not be foreign and strange to us. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'll share with you one other thing we have. We're going to wrap up soon. Look, I'm even closing my Bible in anticipation of wrapping up soon. What he's done for us is so far greater than what we can imagine. It really takes a revelation for you to comprehend. But that is why the Holy Spirit's been given to us. At no point in time should we catch ourselves saying, well, you know, I just don't know what God's doing or what he's thinking. You might feel like that in yourself. This man without God is like that. You might feel like that in yourself, but you have the mind of Christ. 
the more time that we spend in his presence and recognizing the working of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives, what he's doing is he's revealing his thought to us. How big are God's thoughts? Well, they're bigger than ours. How high are his ways? Higher than our ways. His thoughts, greater than our thoughts. So is my word that comes down from heaven and waters the ground and produces a crop before the water returns to the heavens again, right? Yeah, so is his living word, his thought by the Holy Spirit that is in us, that is watering and producing something, causing character etching, engraving on the inside until our character begins to be a representation of his nature. Hallelujah. Has God ever spoken to you in a way that has totally changed the way you've been thinking? Yes, he has. When that thought, that's his thought, you're like, oh, and suddenly you see when you didn't see before. Suddenly you know and understand when you didn't before. Suddenly what was dark becomes light to you, right? But you know what happens along the way is you begin to change. Because that's that etching that he's doing Uh as he reveals. What's he etching? His own image. Hallelujah. That's what he's etching. His very own image in you. As he begins to reveal his thought. I had one of those experiences recently. It was funny because, I say funny, because I wasn't thinking. I was was meditating in the word and thinking about, you know, John chapter 6 and Jesus is the living bread that came down from heaven. The bread that came down from heaven. Hallelujah. And, you know, just meditating on that. I can partake of his life. And, wow, what we have is so amazing. I'm just thinking about that. And he interrupted what I was thinking. Here I was, being biblical and spiritual, thinking the word, meditating on the word, and he interrupted me. You want him to interrupt you, right? That's a good interruption. And all of a sudden, in my heart, this thought came. And I recognized the thought as his thought, not my own. His thought came. And I went, and he said, don't be jealous of them. And I'm looking at John chapter 6. There's nothing in there about jealousy or... Don't be jealous. of, And I'm like, what is this? And so you know what you do when that happens? It's not time for questions. <laughs> because obviously he knows something that I don't know, and he knows that I don't know. So I'm just going to be quiet and listen to what he's saying to me. It's funny because often when we pray, we do all the talking. We do all the talking, and he's the one that knows everything. And he already knows what we know. I mean, there's something therapeutic in getting it all out. But you don't get any better unless you get his answer. That requires being quiet long enough to hear it. So I just went, okay, I'm thinking inside myself. 
I don't understand what that means, so I'm just going to be quiet. Don't be jealous of them. And immediately I began to think of the revivals that were going on in Asbury and the other colleges and universities and be thinking about that. And I thought to myself, I didn't think I was jealous of that, actually. I thought, but he said to me, don't be jealous of them. So I didn't think I was. So then, I, then all this is internal, all inside here, as the Spirit of God is revealing the thought of God to me. And then the next thing that came was the parable about the, the two sons, or I should, you know, the prodigal son as we know it. And how the older brother was jealous of the younger brother. Because the younger brother was experiencing revival. My son, who was dead, is now alive. Revival. Let's have a party. Yes. And the older brother's like, how come he gets a party? Didn't you see what he was doing last week? Like, come on. Here I am. I serve you day in and day out. I'm doing this. I'm doing that for you. And you can't even give me a goat. Now, I know that doesn't translate into our culture today here. Right? That's like you, you have a banquet feast for him and a, you know, a three-tier cake and invite all the neighbors to come and there's wild music and dancing and, and I can't even get a cupcake with a candle on it. <laughs> and I began to realize that often as believers, we look to what God's, how he's blessing other people Oh, their prayer was answered. Their revival is going on. They're, they're experiencing that. I'm, I'm being a good Christian. I'm doing what I know to do. How come I'm not seeing this? In fact, I'm, it seems like i got to try so hard just to get you know, a little prayer answered. The one's at the bottom of the list. That's being jealous of them. His answer was, I'm always with you, or you're always with me. We're always together. And everything I have is already yours. You just don't know it yet. How many things has he already given us in the sun? Everything. Everything. And we just don't know it yet. Hallelujah. But that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. So that we can know his thought towards us. Because the father's thought towards the older brother who was being jealous is the same thought that was expressed to the younger son, the younger brother that had come back and returned. The father wasn't any different. He didn't treat his children any differently either. He was the same to all of them. But the older brother didn't experience any of it because he was busy looking at his neighbor, his younger brother, and being jealous. Instead of getting to know the father who he was always with. Similarly, God's speaking to us and longs to reveal his thoughts to us. Longs to reveal what he has prepared for us. The feast prepared for us. That's his desire. And it's not a mystery because he has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been given us so that we might know it. What he's thinking, what he's done for us, and that it may become our experience. And not just our experience, but in that process, our own character and nature 
begins, become, becomes carved and etched and changed to look more and more like him every day. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's a wonderful thing. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.